Welcome back to PC Impact with your host, Dr. Mark Hansen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever, whatever time it may be, wherever you may be listening to this. Welcome back to the seventh episode of the PC Impact podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Mark Hansen. Today, we will talk about energy, the power a single vote could have, racism, politics, coronavirus, and a bunch of other topics that my guest and I found important enough to touch on. But first, I will give you definitions of several key terms I feel are important, both for this episode and in our world today. So sit back, enjoy, and welcome back to the PC Impact. It's your host, NMH. Firstly, let's look at racism and how the two types of racism I am going to be looking at today affects us in the world of political correctness and in the world in general. These are systemic racism and internalized racism. But first, what's the definition of racism? Racism is the prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or group of people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized, like we've seen black people and Native American people and Hispanic people and the Asian community often marginalized throughout American history. So earlier I mentioned systemic racism. You might be saying to yourself, wow, these two words are words I've been hearing put together a lot recently, ever since the George Floyd death happened. What is systemic racism? Well, systemic racism includes policies and practices entrenched in established institutions, which results in the exclusion of or promotion of designated groups. So it's built into the systems we have today to either oppress or prop people up based on the group they belong to. That's why some white people will get better opportunities than black people for example and that's why some things like like affirmative action were put in place to help prop up minorities because to me what affirmative action shows is the establishment accepting that yes there is systemic racism and they tried to take a little step to make it better but we're not there yet an example of systemic racism would be Jim Crow laws that that existed in the 50s 60s back in the U.S. actually that existed since slavery ended in the U.S. Internalized racism on the other hand is a form of oppression that gets internalized and has to do with you like both consciously and unconsciously accepting a racial hierarchy which consistently puts white people ahead of all other races in the world today. Like I just felt it was important for us to know this because like we may think oh like we may think oh well i'm not racist but inherently like the way the world is set up many many people unfortunately do pick one race which most of the time tends to be caucasian over other races speaking about the way we think how can we change our mindsets and how we think and you could choose to reframe your thoughts. Psychologytoday.com has a five-step 
routine on how to reframe your thoughts and i thought i would go through them with you number one is to ride the wave like because thoughts are just a bunch of concepts produced by your brain and they have no inherent meaning and you, like you create them and you can choose to how you interpret them and how to respond to them number two is look at the situation from an outside looking in approach so remove yourself from the situation by looking at the circumstances from the outside this would allow you to observe what is happening from different angles and you can even ask yourself what would you do if you were someone else looking at the situation number three you put on your detective hat ask yourself why are you feeling that way what are the facts about the situation do they match up or am i making a bigger issue than it really is number four is hold your horses that is just to calm yourself down and pause and like sit things through and then number five is sift through the dirt that is going on to find the gold which is to challenge yourself to look beyond the doom which may be very hard and try to see the light in this at the end of the tunnel in whatever situation you're going through these are just a couple of ways where you can change the way you think about different things in different situations once again i remind you to respect the views of each individual who appears on the podcast and their views are their own and not mine or anyone who works on the pc impact once again enjoy hello welcome to the pc impact podcast can you please introduce yourself to the audience so my name is jacob randomboy i like to call me Saki. I recently graduated from HSE, HSE University, I studied engineering, and yeah, I'm really glad to be here. I'm coming from Ghana, by the way. What, what would you say your life experiences have been so far, like your high school experience and your university experience put together? So yeah, I think they've been quite rich, they've been eye-opening, I must say, the, especially when it comes to my university experience, it was quite eye-opening, but I think in general, um, I enjoyed them, and yeah, like I said, they were very enlightening. Can you expand on them? Like, what made them enlightening? What new things were your eyes open to when you spent those four years at Ashesi? So, those four years at Ashesi, I learned... I learned a lot about myself personally. I actually learned, I, it's funny, I went to college before I found out what I wanted to do in my life. Also, um, I learned things about the world and how the world ought to work um, as against how the world is actually working. And these are the things I found eye-opening. I, I learned about the struggles of oppression the African-Americans face in the U.S. And even on the shores of Africa and South Africa, and it was a very enlightening experience for me because I realized that all my life I was, I'm, I've been living in Ghana. It's, it's quite sheltered. It's, it's like a bubble. Like, that's and, what I was about to say. Ghana, like living in Ghana without looking at the rest of the world, even the rest of the African continent, you'd live in your own bubble because Ghana's been lucky to not have civil wars. Like we've been lucky to have not gone through the, as many um, tribal things that like other African countries have gone through. We didn't have to deal with apartheid like South Africa did. And like we haven't seen the struggles the people in the diaspora have seen. So like living in Ghana in itself has been a bubble like it's a shelter yes it's very yeah i i, I find that our existence to be very sheltered it, it opened my eyes to see that the world is much bigger than me there there are more there are people like me struggling from all over the world 
and it made me it made me like i said it was a lightning it was amazing it made me more appreciative of the circumstances under which i live in a sense i remember we took the social theory class together which like we explored more black issues i remember we had an african-american fi and she got more like she tried to teach us more about the things black people go through in the u.s what do you remember from that personally that experience it was i think if i was for most of that experience i was full of a lot of rage if i have to be honest Learning these things about social um, theory and learning about the struggle um, all throughout the oppression, all throughout um, um, slavery, through um, sharecropping, Jim Crow, even up to today, the systemic racism. What we learned in social theory was supposed to open eyes. But in that moment, when I was learning, the, when we had to watch um, the Eva Duvernay documentary, the 13th, yeah. um, and realizing it just made me agitated. Um, friends, even friends of mine who had traveled abroad, they began sharing their experiences about how they were called monkeys, about even hearing um, meetings of white people and how some white people were very condescending to them. It was just seeing that people had been exposed to it. It just was upsetting, honestly. But on that note, do you also think we also play a part in it? Like, you see in different parts of Ghana, whenever they see a white person, they try and pander to that person. They try and act differently, like they wouldn't treat their fellow black man. They try and treat that person better in some certain cases. Do you think we play a role in that as well? Um, it's true. I've noticed that recent, um, not, not recently, some years back, I was doing an internship and I was friends with um, when stolen some solar system in the school and the children were my friend but one day the, the these interns from Germany that came in these kids just drugged me as, as if I was hot sauce fan and just dashed over to my friends from Germany but I didn't hold against them because well it's something they don't see very often they, it's like <laughs> to them it's they're seeing a very pale skinned person and they're just well, they're falling over something that they haven't seen before it's like you Every day you see a, a, a goat prancing around, but the day a unicorn will come and walk, walk across <laughs> your field of view, you're just going to, you're going to drop what you're doing just to examine the um, unicorn. But, so for in that regard, I don't hold that against black people, but there are also some um, Ghanians who deliberately, they deliberately, um, when, whenever, maybe when a white person comes into the picture, they garner this kind of disdain for their fellow black man. They can sell out their, their fellow black man just to please the white man. And I feel that's even worse than the racism. I feel it's it's, it's a betrayal. Like, and well, well, that's just my opinion, but that's just how I feel about it. But that, that even cuts deeper than all the racism and the oppression you hear about. Like, we've seen recently the the you saw the Democrats in the United States Congress wearing kente and then you saw a bunch of Ghanaians praising it saying oh um look how they're using our culture and I was like you realize some people would see that as cultural appropriation right like they're just using it for a photo op and like some people were praising it and I was like you people like you don't know what their goal at the back of their minds is and was like when they took that picture yeah so like it's just like the way we think and like we just need to end up we just need to do better yeah to be honest i first saw that picture on twitter and well, there was 
So let's move on. Like, I think we've touched on that enough. But what do you do now, and like, how do you view life now? From like all you learned at a chassis, how how have you changed the way you think and the way you look at things now? Um. So the way I look at things now, personally, it's it's kind of changed me from being um, this kind of idealist, pacifist kind of person into a more pragmatic kind of person. So formerly, my mindset pre-HSE was, oh, like, no violence, like, uh, no matter the cost, there's always a better way. And I'm going to do it like my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. Like, that was my mindset. But now, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I'm more pragmatic pragmatic in my thinking it, it, it helps you um, being less idealistic and being less pacifist like that it, it helps you see the bigger picture that to some extent some things are necessary some things need to be done take the protest for instance like it's about time things have got to change and see um it, it's unfortunate it had to so many black people had to die or it had to take the or the fact that people were just idling out from corona and all that but Something, yeah, something, the noise making, the looting is, is what brought about the change. So, I, to be honest, it's that's what my stay at did for me. It changed my view from being an idealistic, optimistic kind of person. I am still optimistic, but now I'm more, there's more pragmatism to the way I think and the way I approach the world. So, like, how do you think you could affect change in your own little way? in your community around you in Ghana? So even what I've even tried to start doing is trying to make people more accountable for their actions. And so originally, I'll give you a benefit of the doubt. So you did something, let, let it slide over. Now it's, it's not that I'm... Okay, you can call it me being a little bit more confrontational, but now it's... I Personally, I am more accountable for my actions and... I hold people more accountable for their actions. I, I don't make excuses for people, and I try my best not to make excuses for myself. And so currently, in my, in my current station, with what I have, the, the best I can do for my community is to be more accountable, and so I encourage people to be more accountable for their actions. So you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you graduated from Ashesi. What do you do with your Ashesi degree now? Do you use it in your everyday life, in your job, or do you do something completely different? Like, I know some dif some different graduates from Ashesi have done. Yeah, no, and so currently I'm working as a network operations engineer. So it's, yeah, it's closely related to what I studied. And so that's the use that I've put my Ashesi bachelor's degree to. Um, I'm looking to, like I said, um, being at Ashesi, I've learned more about what I love and so 
I'm working around ways to diverge into what I love more. But for now, my associate degree is at work. And um, luckily, um, all the stuff I learned from HSE, the, the things apart from the academics, the, the, the leadership skills, the ethics and all that, yeah, those are put to good use in my life. And I think they made me a better person. Even around the house, my mom says that now it's... It's just now I I just wake up early and now I'm I'm more <laughs> I'm more honest I'm more forthcoming and all that and so I feel that's one plus I'm more even entrepreneurial in my thinking all that and that's one that's one plus on which gives such as what are your goals for now and for the future? My goals for now and the future. So um my future goals I want to enter into diplomacy and I want to effect change when it comes to energy policy globally. How I'm going to do it exactly, I'm not very sure, but yes, that's the goal goal, to to make the world more energy efficient, to in my own way, try to make the planet more sustainable. And so, like I said, to go into diplomacy and effecting um, energy policy and so Basically, that's it. So whether it's with the UN or whatnot, I just, that's the goal. <laughs> the route to the goal is uncertain, but I, I can see the goal. We've spoken about Black lives. We've spoken about what we got from your four years you spent at Ashesi and the two years I spent there. What do you think political correctness is, Ed, from like what we learned at Ashesi from leadership to social theory to all the different courses that were trying to get us to better understand life and become better people. Do you think all that helped us in like our pursuit of becoming better people and better global leaders? Um, okay, so to the latter part of the question, um, well, going through the kind of leadership training we go, I think it's necessary for everyone, even if, if it's, well, you are not going to be termed a leader in the technical sense of the word, but well, that kind of, those kind of leaderships they come in handy everywhere in the family setting. Even if for the well, for the maybe or maybe your boss steps out and maybe for five minutes you you become a leader. I think those those just help you not feel so overwhelmed. And so I feel the, those kind of leadership skills are very they're very necessary. Also, I, I feel a big component of the leadership we learned was also um, good followership. So once, um, I think it's, it was, it was also, a, that was a very good aspect of the whole leadership training, like being a good follower, being, having, not being sheep, not being sheepish, having um, your, own, your own, a mind of your own and yeah, basically doing the right thing. So I think in that sense, um, in that kind of way, the Ashes experience cultured us to be excellent leaders. And when it comes to the the first part of the former part of the question, and when it comes to the political correctness, I, I feel it has to do with being sensitive, being sensitive to whether it's cultural issues, racial issues, or being able to read the room, being able to read the circumstance, the context. I feel um, when they and to me, what political correctness stands for is being sensitive. Okay, so it's, you said it has to be, do with being sensitive. So do you personally agree with 
uh, being sensitive and looking out for every single person you could offend before speaking up. Could you expand on that? So, so when I, I think when it comes to the issue of political correctness, well, being sensitive, well, I just feel there are some things that you cannot say. You, there are things that you definitely cannot say. You can't offend people. Um, you can't offend people um, intentionally. I'm going to give two speakers, two people I've heard speaking, two people who are, I would say, very direct and straight to the point, and two people to illustrate my points. So. Um, we have, on one hand, we have um, Donald Trump. So Donald Trump, I, I, even, I watched that clip where he um, he was hurrying a female reporter along and well, she was like, oh, she didn't think about it. And he, he, he made this snide remark that she never does. Like, cousin's innovations that she's dumb. You see, and then on the other hand, there's, uh, there's someone like um, British comedian Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. So you see what he did at the Golden Globes, where he, he calls out Apple and these big Amazon, these corporations for running what what you could call um, a sweatshop. Since calling them, they are calling their um, their work the work conditions no better than for working for a terrorist camp or, or something of that sort. So you see, when I when I put these side by side, I just suppose these side. So clearly, one person is being offensive on purpose and one is calling out calling out people for the wrong they are doing so if i say by sensitivity i mean okay let me say sensitivity and you you zapped um, a bit of sensibility into it so by being politically correct and um, you'd expect to be well, like i said sensitive you get your facts right and you don't attack people for the sake of attacking them if something has to be said it has to be said it's still, it doesn't save anybody if you dance around it. But if you are being politically correct, you, you find a more diplomatic approach. You don't offend anyone on purpose. How are the things in terms of the coronavirus um, pandemic and how the government has handled it in Ghana? So personally, I feel the government was still prepared. And uh, because I think... At the beginning of the, the government didn't really think for themselves. So maybe I think because they saw most of the world was going into lockdown or it was prudent for them also to go into lockdown. I felt they didn't study the case as um, it pertains to Africa, as it pertains to Ghana in particular, and they didn't take steps accordingly. So I, I just felt the whole lockdown, the measures it took it was quite rushed. And it, I don't think it did much to <laughs> I don't think it did much to curb the spread of the coronavirus. It absolutely didn't. So, you think that going into lockdown was a mistake? Yeah, it was premature. I think it was they were just when they look over their shoulder, they see everyone is locking down, and so they also decided to lock down too. Okay. I just I feel I feel the a better way to have gone about it. I think they could have thought, thought it through some more instead of just jumping on the lockdown wagon. So what would you have done differently if you were put in a leadership position, spending off our leadership topic? So first things first, I'd 
get together the experts, those who understand it, those who can study it. And within a span of one week, we try to study and just learn how, because learn how the virus is affecting the country Ghana. Because the, the way it's affecting Italy, the way it's affecting the USA isn't the same way it's affecting Ghana. Their kind of infrastructure isn't our kind of infrastructure. So you just have to see how Corona, the coronavirus was affecting us given uh, the size of our economy, the state of our infrastructure. And so personally, I, I can't pinpoint to what exactly I have done, but what I'm going to say is that I would have invested some more time and some more research into studying how it's affecting Ghana in particular, and then I would have acted accordingly. And so um, I felt, like I said, I felt the lockdown was a bit premature. So personally, I would have delayed it a bit and would have used the delay time to get ready for the lockdown. So whether it's getting stockpile of, of PPEs or food to give out to people and finding um, shelter accommodation for people who are homeless and all that kind of stuff. And so yes, that's facing out people. I think the, personally, the government should have done more. It's the solution to the COVID-19 is not a one-fits-all solution. You can't expect to lock down and expect everything to go back to normal. Absolutely not. Looking at it from that perspective, if going into lockdown was um, going into lockdown too early was a mistake, then I think them choosing to re- reduce the lockdown and try and put things back into place, letting people go back to work and all that was also a mistake. Like that's just my opinion. Was like two weeks of your life gone, wasted. Because to be honest, for two weeks, we, these two weeks, it was supposed to, and it was a partial lockdown of some parts in our crime. I, I don't even think it was, I think what they could have even done to, um, like, a system where these places had to lock down was probably to check the hotspots. Where had we recorded cases? Where had we traveled to? It? Stuff like that, but this one it was like they were just locking down the major metropolis. That I, I, I just it was was a mistake. And when it came to lifting the lockdown, just as suddenly as we locked down, we had lifted the lockdown for exactly what was it? It was it was three weeks. And to be honest, three weeks with the amount of movements that was going on, despite the move lockdown, I, I don't think well. Reopening after three weeks was prudent. Yeah, like I felt the same way when the announcement came through. I was like, like I, I, I jokingly tweeted out since I, I tweeted out since you're unlocking down the country. Let me fly back in. Like you might as well. Might as well, cause within the two weeks, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just mind Yeah, but speaking about this government are you planning on using your right to vote at the end of this year when the elections come about because like that's the only real way we as citizens unless you're running can really affect change bring change about in the country like using our own votes to try and bring about change well definitely our votes can bring about change i intend to use my vote to bring about change but the issue, the issue at hand is whether the change you are bringing on it is, is it going to be changed at all, <laughs> or are you just going to bring in another another head to where the 
another maybe another mascot to parade around these same problems we're having. I mean, it's like what like our good friend said. He said we should just tear those two parties up, like down, and then the rest. Of, we should just tear all the parties down, and start like and start Ghana's democracy all over again. Because right now, like we we see, it's not working. It's, it isn't, to be honest. It's, it's, it's an issue of garbage in, garbage out. And <laughs> like Professor Adari said, you have to pick the lesser of two evils. <laughs> that's, no, that's not democracy. Honestly speaking, that's not democracy. If you have to pick between, or if you're asking me to pick whether I want, <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know how to put it. Like, if I want to die by, what, cyanide poison or arsenic poisoning, <laughs> I, I should pick one. That's the choice we are being, we are being given now. Because clearly, it's not, it's not that I'm, I'm saying this out of some kind of conjecture or anything like that, but the past 10 years have shown that, see, that's, like, the past 10 years have been proved that, see, <laughs> this is all that the government of Ghana can do for you. And so, to be honest, it's a, it's a little heartbreaking, but... Like, like, like a friend of mine would say, how Jake, it's been lovely talking to you, bro, bro. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you, bro. I hope you enjoyed PC Impact Episode 7. It's been your host, NMH. It was nice speaking to one of my old friends on this episode, and I hope you caught his opinions and got where he's coming from. He took like a very different take on things than I thought he would. And I thoroughly enjoyed like having a back and forth conversation with him. It's episode seven. Episode eight will come out quickly following this episode. And it would be a wrap up on the first part of the PC Impact. And it would be a wrap up capturing every single episode we have done from episode two till this episode, episode seven. So watch out for episode eight. It's your host, NMH. Love you all. I'm out. I hope you enjoyed PC Impact episode 7. It's been your host, NMH. It was nice speaking to one of my old friends on this episode, and I hope you caught his opinions and got where he's coming from. He took like a very different take on things than I thought he would, and I thoroughly enjoyed like having a back and forth conversation with him it's episode seven episode eight will come out in episode eight will come out quickly following this episode and it would be a wrap-up on the first part of the pc impact and it would be a wrap-up capturing every single episode we have done from episode two till this episode episode seven so watch out for episode eight it's your host, NMH. Love you all. I'm out.